Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. If you would like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation podcast, go to rebelalliancemedia.com. We are part of Rebel Alliance Media, and you can find several other podcasts in our network. Erica and I record a podcast for families called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids. We're currently in a summer series called Systematics for Saplings, which is a 12-week systematic theology for kids. It's really geared towards family worship time, and so it's a guide you can use this summer for your families. So download the podcast, listen to it with your kids. It will be an overview of that week's study, and then go on rebelalliancemedia.com download the family worship guide for every day. It's a five-day week study guide, and you can go through the doctrine with your kids, and it's super simple, five, ten minutes max. Yeah, and the Rebel podcast comes out on Wednesdays with P. Nate and Poots from the Great White North of Canada, providing you content to engage culture with a biblical worldview We also have Redeeming History podcast that is in between seasons right now, but you can go back on the feed and get that with the great Ben Emery. And then on Fridays, we have another podcast called Podcast for Cultural Reformation with Ryan Aris. And him and his wife have done a few episodes recently. Mm -hmm. It's been really good. Yeah. So we like the husband wife duos. Right. We're not partial at all. So go check it out. We've got a lot of content. Subscribe to our feed in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher so that way you get our new content when it's released. And if you feel so inclined to support us financially, we do have a Patreon. Those who support already, we love you and it helps us out tremendously and not only be able to put out podcasts, but it enables us to do more and be able to put out more content. And it just helps keep the, keep the lights on. Like, exactly. It helps us just pay the bills. Yeah. So, thank you guys so much for that. Tonight, we're continuing our Covenant Theology series. So, if you are just tuning in, and this is the first time you've listened to us, you can go back in our feed, and we had two other episodes. One was an intro to Covenant Theology, and then we had another episode on the Covenant of Redemption. Yeah, we're kind of staggering our Covenant Theology episodes because they can get kind of heavy. At some point, when we're all finished with our series, maybe we'll lump them together on the page and make them available in sequence. But until then, just go back in the feed, scroll back a couple weeks, and you'll find them. It will be helpful for you to listen to those two before you dive into this one, which is probably going to get us alienated from all of the churches (laughs) ever. (laughs) Sure hope not. Be gracious with us. I mean, this is like, out of all the covenants, the one that like Reformed people argue about the most. I know, right? Most Reformed Baptists and Presbyterians don't agree on this. We probably would disagree with a lot of Presbyterians on this. Mm-hmm. So bear with us. We'll try and we'll try and show scripturally how we're coming to this yeah. conclusion by the end of the podcast. So j- join us in our <laughs> in our view of contrarianism. It's just biblical. Well, it's true. So. Shall we get in? So let's do it. All right. Tonight, we're going to talk about the covenant of works, 
which is also called the covenant of man, the covenant of Adam, covenant of life, covenant creation. All of those titles are basically all describing the exact same covenant. Different theologians have different pet names for this covenant. Pick your favorite and, and roll, roll with, with it. it. Yeah. Each, each one essentially just points to a different aspect of this covenant. Mm-hmm. And and I think it helps when you say the, the different titles, it helps you just see some... Like a different facet. Exactly. Yeah. And understanding the covenant of works is very essential to understanding the rest of scripture or even other covenants because a lot of... The covenants we've already talked about, like covenant of redemption, and we'll talk about covenant of grace, covenant of or the new covenant, will really kind of hinge on the covenant of works a little bit to lend to understanding later on. Right. Mm-hmm. So, got to make sure we get this one straight. Yep. Okay, so we're going to dive into the Genesis narrative. We're going to read Genesis 1, 26 through 28 first. And Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says... Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then in Genesis 2, verses 9, he adds a little more to that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then down to verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. So we're also going to read a few verses just proving that this is in fact a covenant because a lot of Christians will disagree whether or not this is in fact a covenant that God is making between himself and Adam. and. If you first just read through the narrative, the word covenant is never found. But we know as Christians, just because a particular word is not found in scripture does not mean that doctrine is not being taught in the scripture. So, for instance, we don't ever see the word Trinity in scripture, but we know that Trinity is a biblical concept. God is a triune God and it is taught Mm -hmm. throughout scripture. Right. So we have to be careful and be diligent to not be lazy in our theology and say, well, because the word covenant is never found here, there's no covenant. That's irresponsible. Yeah. So, yes, the word covenant is never found here. But there are two other places in the Old Testament and the prophets where we do see that the, the relationship between God and Adam is a covenantal relationship. So, do you want to read those? Yeah, both of these verses assume... Uh, we have to assume the fall. I mean, we haven't talked about the fall yet in mm-hmm. this episode. But you'll see from these two that the fall is in view. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one is Isaiah 24, verses 5 and 6. And it says, The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, for they transgressed laws, violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, which is what we know the earth is under a curse. Mm -hmm. Through the 
Rebellion of Adam. Right. Uh, Romans 8 talks about that. Mm -hmm. And those who live in it are held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men are left. So that's one instance where we see the word covenant being used, referring to the situation of Adam and his relationship with God and what happened in the fall. Mm -hmm. The second one is Hosea 6, verse 7, which says, But like Adam... They have transgressed the covenant. There they have dealt treacherously against me. Yeah. So pretty clearly there is a covenant being established between God and Adam. Mm -hmm. If you read through the narrative of Genesis, you see as God's creating everything, he tells the birds to create according to their own kind, the fish to create, uh, reproduce after their own kind, and so on and so forth. But then when he gets to the creation of Adam, the creation of mankind, he stops his pattern of saying, and he created, he told them to reproduce after their own kind, according to their own kind. And he says, let us, speaking of the triune God, let us create man in our image. And so we see that even as God is creating Adam, that he's not telling Adam to reproduce after his own kind, mm -hmm. but he's actually creating Adam in his own image. Right. We're, we're actually derivative right. of God's image, and our children are other image bearers. Right. Whereas animals are not created in the image of anything else, and their offspring are just according to them. According to their own kind. Right. But we are created in the image of God, therefore we are created or Adam was created in covenantal mm -hmm. relation right. to the triune God. Yeah, it's way more personal. Yes. So that is important to see that right off, right right from the very get-go, Adam was created in covenant to the creator. Yeah, and that's why some people use the term covenant of creation, mm -hmm. that this covenant is solely on the basis of being created by God. Yeah, being after his, his own image. Right, being created after his own image is what establishes this covenant. Yes. So like we learned before, every covenant that God institutes has blessing and curses. Yep. So in the covenant of works, we can see that God tells Adam that the blessing of keeping covenant is life. Mm -hmm. He will have eternal life. Um, the curse of breaking the covenant is death. So with that under our belts, Let's talk about federal headship. So this is another marker that tells us this is a covenant because every covenant has a mediator. We mm -hmm. know Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Mm -hmm. And in this covenant of works, covenant of creation, Adam is the mediator. And that federal headship that we see in scripture, which we'll read here in a second, is, um, is telling us that this is a covenant. And what this federal headship is, is... A representative. He's a representative of all that come after him. So all born of Adam inherit a sin nature. Everyone that was born after Adam sinned, which is everyone, mm -hmm. inherited that sin nature that Adam plunged us into. And through Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, he offers his creation, his new creation, new life, everlasting life. And so we inherit from Jesus, the second Adam, a new nature. 
Jesus takes the curse of the covenant of works, which was death, Mm -hmm. upon himself, and he wins for his people eternal life, which was the blessing of the covenant of works. Right. And that's why Jesus needed to be sinless and he needed to die. Yep. He needed both in order to pay the penalty for breaking the covenant that Adam, you know, Adam broke and all of us broke. Right. But then also, like you said, to to earn, to uh, inherit the eternal life, the blessing of eternal life in order that. So when we are put in Christ, in that federal head, we have eternal life. Mm -hmm. And you see this kind of language and this kind of idea in Romans 5.12. Do you want to go ahead and read that real quick? Yeah. Romans 5.12 says, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Mm-hmm. And this is why Jesus is also called the second Adam. It's the, it's uh And the better Adam. Right. He did what Adam did not do. He obeyed the father perfectly. Okay. So, so far, this is all pretty much agreed upon within reform yeah. circles. <laughs> this is where we're we going to start to get into more trouble. Right. But stick with us. We're going to try and prove this to you. And scripture. hopefully to you listening, this doesn't f- sound problematic at all. And... I mean, it shouldn't because it's just in the Bible. That's right. (laughs) Um, I love your candor. This brings us to the sticky part. Okay. What do we got? Okay. The idea of the covenant of works is often seen as if Adam obeyed Mm -hmm. God and his commands, then Adam would have had eternal life. Right, like he, there was some future blessing to be earned. Yes, that he had to merit something. Mm-hmm. And this is why a lot of people don't like the title Covenant of Works because they think that it is like a works-based type of... Right, works-based righteousness yeah, or something. Yeah, which is valid. Like it's a valid concern because that's yeah. essentially the prosperity gospel and it goes against all of the other things we believe theologically. Right. So... That should cause some concern in the heart of a Christian. Like when one idea, one part of your theology doesn't match up with the rest of your theology, mm-hmm. it means there's there's something wrong somewhere and you got to try and get everything to match. Exactly. Let's be consistent. Exactly. Okay. So how we would explain the covenant of works is that um, when God said that he blessed them, mm-hmm. can you read that? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Genesis one twenty-eight, can you read that for us real quick? Yeah. Um, one twenty-eight. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So when did God give Adam the blessing of the covenant? Before or after Adam decided whether he was going to rebel against God? Before. Before. God blessed them and told Mm -hmm. them to do something. He gave them a command, be fruitful, multiply, do these things. Like that was the blessing. And we would say even now when we're talking to our children, if you obey God, like that's the blessing. The blessing comes from the law of God, delight in the law of God, because it is life. Like the command in and of itself is the blessing. Right. And that's how we view the Mosaic Covenant. Right. Those laws are given to Israel after they're saved. Yeah. And they, it's their it's their happy uh, 
submission. Submit is their happy submission to God to follow all the laws. Right. And that's why David said, I delight in the law of the Lord, because Mm -hmm. the law of the Lord in and of itself is a delight. So when God said, be fruitful, like when Adam was, if Adam would have been fruitful with Eve, Mm -hmm. that in and of itself is a blessing. And we don't have to get vulgar with it, but like that is a blessing, right? For sure. Um, To multiply, to have children, that is a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. That was a command from God. And yet that is a blessing from God. All you hunters out there ruling over all the (laughs) creation and animals, that is a blessing. Well, I don't know if they would have like (laughs) killed the animals. So maybe not the hunter part, but. Yeah, we don't need to get into that whether we were vegetarian before after the fall or not. Whatever. (laughs) But what we're saying is if you're being faithful to the text that God blessed Adam and Eve with the commands, the command is the blessing. Mm -hmm. So this is where a lot of people don't agree with us and they would they would lend more towards adam had to obey god before he got the blessing of the covenant Mm -hmm. yeah because he had to earn or merit god's favor right and that's where we run into a lot of issues with the rest of the bible and the rest of the Mm -hmm. uh, theology of the bible and there are those two who believe that the mosaic covenant is a recapitulation of this covenant of works Mm -hmm. in order to say that Christ's active obedience of obedience was obedience to the Mosaic law, therefore Mm -hmm. earning salvation. But we don't earn salvation. Right. That was never the case in the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law is post-salvation. Like Mm -hmm. I said, it's after the Red Sea. So that's after being saved is when that law came, not before. I think there are tinges of... Um, like a dispensational anti-theonomy. Right. No, that's what it is. It's true. Yeah. Right. Wait, uh, it's for, right. for people who would oppose our view of the covenant of works. Yeah. The I know a lot of people say radical two kingdom, but just two kingdom theology also mm-hmm. is uh, is what you're kind of talking about here. Yep. Um. So anyway, this is how we would see and understand the covenant of works that God mm-hmm. blessed Adam and Eve. They were in blessed covenant with God and by obeying his commands, they received the blessing. But we know they didn't fully and perfectly obey the command of God. They rebelled against the commands of God. And so by their own merit or works, they then inherited the curse of the covenant, which was death. Right. Yeah. They fell from that walking in the cool of the day with God. Mm -hmm. They were in that perfect, harmonious shalom relationship with him Mm -hmm. and fell from that when they succumbed to the serpent's lies Mm -hmm. and were deceived and disobeyed God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you know how we talked about how every covenant has blessings and curses. We also see elements in the covenants. We see the parties, um, Mm -hmm. who is making the covenant. This, this covenant, the covenant of works is God and Adam making this covenant. Um, it's between God and Adam. And then because Adam is a federal head, we are all still under the covenant of works. God still demands obedience from all of us, all the descendants of Adam. And we either are going to receive the curse of the covenant by remaining in Adam, Mm -hmm. or we can receive the blessing of the covenant of works, which is life if we are under Jesus, if we are in Jesus, the second Adam, the better Adam, then we can receive life. But either way, we're all still under the covenant of works. 
so we see the parties, God, the, that this covenant was made between God and Adam. We see promises, blessings, we see conditions and penalties, and then we see a covenant sign. And we'll get into the covenant signs Mm -hmm. and the implications thereof in later episodes and later covenants. Right. But in this particular covenant, what is the covenant sign? Well, two, really, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. And so the tree of knowledge of good and evil is a sign of, you know, the curse. The curse of the covenant, yep. And then the tree of life is the sign of blessing, the sign of... Mm-hmm. You know, the current state of things. Right. Um, so, once again, this is where we would differ from a few people yeah. who would say, well, if you believe that Adam and Eve were already blessed and receiving the blessings of the covenant of works, um, then what was the tree of life there for? Like, what was it there for? What was it a sign of if they'd already received the blessing? Mm-hmm. And we would say... You don't need, like, once once you receive the blessing of a covenant, the sign doesn't go away. The sign right. is still a symbol of an existing covenant in as much as the wedding ring on your finger is still a sign of the covenant between you and I. Right. Just because it's realized, like, we are actually married, the sign doesn't go away. Like, the ring is still on your finger. Mm-hmm. And it's the same as the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. We continue to partake of the Lord's table every Sunday, hopefully. And it's a reminder and it's a sign and it's a way that, you know, God uses to meet with us Mm -hmm. and minister to us and show us his favor, show us his promises. Even though we, even though it is um, like the promise of the blessing of the covenant is already actualized, the sign doesn't go away. Yeah. And his blood and body have been broken and shed to forgive me of my sin. My sin is forgiven, but the sign is still there every week to remind me, to strengthen me, to confirm those promises and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. And we can even see like in the Passover meal, you're talking about communion, Mm -hmm. going back to the Passover meal, they partook in that communion, that Passover meal prior to the promise of liberation Mm -hmm. and their exodus. So sometimes it's before the realization, sometimes it's after. Yeah. But regardless, the sign is the sign and it can be actualized without the sign having to be removed. Mm-hmm. There's just room for conjecture that people like jumping into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that water's pretty muddy, I believe. So. Okay. Let's leave it at that. You don't want to give us something? Well,. A lot of people, so Charles Hodge, I was reading some of his stuff on the Covenant of Works today, and he he believed that the Tree of Life was there, and after a probationary period that Adam obeyed for, you know, six months or a mm-hmm. year or whatever it was, that then he would be granted access to the Tree of Life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think, believe that, that there was like this testing period and then they would be granted access to the tree of life, which was their eternal life or glorification or or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. And But then he kind of also said, well, maybe it's not. Or was it something Adam partook of every day and that kind of kept his... Him alive. Yeah, kept him alive and kept his innocent state there. And that seems just like, like some eisegesis. Yeah, there's just a lot of... Like, kind of weird stuff. And I was like, Hodge, I don't know where you're... But you're not just resting on sola scriptura. 
You know, like you have to add something to the text, which we warn against all the time. But if you just take scripture for what it is, this is what it said. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. They received the blessing prior to Adam making a decision whether or not he was going to obey or not obey. Yeah, I think what trips people up is that the tree of life is there. Mm -hmm. God doesn't really tell them, like, make sure you eat of this one. He just says, don't eat of that, of tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right. Um, But then also after the fall, we see that they are kicked out of the garden lest they eat Eat of of the the tree tree of life life. and live forever. Right. So there's something there. Well, Well, and it's interesting because keeping with the Presbyterian theme of things, mm -hmm. um, Jesus calls himself the true vine. Right. And so... If we believe that Adam partook of the tree of life prior to breaking the covenant, Mm -hmm. and then all those who are in Jesus, the second Adam, are part of the true vine. Right. Um, And then we see how Jesus was crucified on a tree. I mean, like all these, the symbolism throughout all of scripture, God is using this tree of life. Jesus dying on a tree and then Jesus being the true vine. Yeah. And it emerges again in the book of Revelation. Yeah. Where the tree of life shows up and it says that the the saints are given access to the tree of life to heal, to heal them. Mm-hmm. And so this, you know, its leaves are given for the healing of the nations, I mm-hmm. believe is what it says. And so there is this tree that. It's just we're not given a whole ton. Well, and it's interesting because prior to the fall, the sign or the tree of life was a sign of like a a blessing of Mm -hmm. the of the covenant. And then when we see Jesus taking on the curse, you know, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. He takes taking on the curse of Adam. Yeah. Eating of the fruit. And so Jesus taking on the curse of the covenant of works. And then once again, when we see if we are in Christ, the second Adam, we're in the true vine, which is blessing. Mm -hmm. And then in Revelation, also blessing. So it's like blessing, Adam accrues curses, Jesus takes on the curse. And then if we're in him, we get the blessing and then we get blessing forever. Like that theme is carried throughout all of scripture, throughout the entire Genesis to Revelation account. Mm -hmm. And we see this sign of the tree of life. Right. Very prevalent. Um, this tree imagery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's interesting. Yeah. So, in short, the covenant of works, covenant of life, covenant creation, covenant of Adam, mankind, whatever you want to call it, it's quite simple if you just take scripture for what it says and you don't want to add something onto it. And we don't need conjecture. We don't need to try and understand um, a motivation of God or what God would have done had Adam obeyed. Like, we just don't need to go there. We just need to understand scripture for what it says and not try and interpret things in weird ways. <laughs> I mean, Hodge was a very smart man. He was, and I really love Hodge. But some some of the things that you read on the Covenant of Works are just wonky. Yeah, we just don't know how God was going to bring about glory. What we understand to be our glorified state, mm-hmm. um, we don't know how God was going to do that. We 
We're super lapsarian. So you we, mean if Adam would have obeyed forever. Right. If ha- Adam would have obeyed. But I think that's presupposing that God had a plan A and a plan B, which right. we know that God doesn't do yeah. plan A's and plan B's. That's so a dispensational way of thinking. Why? God only ever has one plan. Yeah. He has commands that mankind disobey, but he always ever only has one plan. Right. So then why build a theology and, and write books about all this kind of stuff that is is conjecture mm-hmm. and 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 it requires a, a presupposition that that it doesn't even line up with your theology. Right. And that's very important as we go through covenant theology is to see that e- in each covenant it really bleeds into your soteriology and it bleeds into your ecclesiology and your eschatology. You have to get each covenant to make the rest of your theology all line up straight. This is a framework. Covenant theology is a framework by which all of your theology fits into. So it's not going to fit into the frame correctly if some of your theology doesn't fit with the rest. So as we're walking through this, just keep this in mind. If you feel challenged, if you feel like maybe you were wrong in some of the application of the covenant of works or the covenant of grace or the new covenant... Yeah. We're going to get into some things that Presbyterians and Baptists debate a lot later on. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, too, that in this covenant of works that we see is still in effect. Mm-hmm. We kind of hit on that a little bit. Yeah. I just want to reemphasize that this cultural mandate is is being... Reiterated. Reiterated. And um, it's reiterated in Noah's covenant later in mm-hmm. Genesis, a little bit later. But then Jesus refers back to um, this time of Genesis 1 and 2 as if it's still binding. Mm-hmm. But the be fruitful, multiply, taking dominion of the earth is something that a lot of times Christians don't do. We let the we let the world, we let the unbelieving world take that role. They get to make decisions mm-hmm. about um, family and what we do with the earth and how we do stewardship work yeah. and stewardship and Christians don't enter into that and apply God's word to that area. Right. And we need to take that seriously. That's part of living in blessedness with God. Right. Because the command of God is the blessing of God. Mm-hmm. So when we are fruitful, when we multiply, when we fill the earth with image bearers, when right. we subdue the earth, that's the blessing of covenant, the covenant of works with God, which Mm -hmm. we can now enter into because Jesus fulfilled the covenant of works on our behalf as the second Adam. Right. Well, I think that is all we have for tonight (laughs) on the covenant of works. Hit us up with your questions. Yeah. So if we didn't explain something thoroughly, we're sorry. We tried to do as simple of a job as we possibly could, but maybe our brevity caused us to skip over something. Right. Or maybe just something wasn't clear clear enough. So yeah. please hit us up with a message. We'd love to answer your questions or just clarify a point for you. There's a lot of scholarship on mm-hmm. on this. So there's a lot we could dig into and talk about. But And if you Google this, us. you're going to find like 50 different guys yeah. who are all quote unquote reformed who are going to disagree. Yeah. And I would just encourage you, open up your Bible, look at what it says in its clearest form. Yeah. A natural reading of a text within its genre is the best reading. Mm -hmm. And it's consistent with the rest of our theology. Right. So, all right. So again, go subscribe to the feed to get all of our new content when it's released. We thank you so much for listening. 
We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, shower in our frames, left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change, if you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nicked Night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We would all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1, yeah And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause, it changes our natural habitation The situation, it's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable with new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who has given new birth from above Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.